What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 172 of TLDR Podcast. We are recording on Halloween night, ladies and gentlemen. So happy Halloween to everyone. Hopefully you had a fun and safe, spooky time. Um, Yesterday uh, was a fun day in the sports world. It was the sports equinox where all four of the major sports all had a game on the same day. It's a very rare occasion. Uh, and we had that, um, you know, I'll, I'll hosting this week. So obviously we're taking a week off of uh, MLB, but the World Series obviously is going on. Uh, Texas is, is, is absolutely destroying Arizona today. They're up 11 to 1 late in game four. So it looks like they'll be taking a 3-1 series lead um, for that one. But we will recap all of that next week. We hope you guys are enjoying uh, World Series. That, that game one was one of the best uh, World Series games, I think, that we've seen in, in quite a while. So uh, looking forward to more talk about that. But let's check in with the boys. Um, you know, Halloween, obviously, this 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 week. Um, did you guys dress up? If you did, what was it? Uh, your favorite Halloween costume of 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 all time in your personal life, and then your favorite Halloween candy. All the same questions to everyone. Trade, what do you got? Oh my god, I was not ready for this call. Um, <laughs> uh, on the weekend, uh, I did go to a Halloween party dressed as Doctor House. Uh, that was fun. Uh, it was simple. Uh, uh, my favorite costume. Um, I, I think I saw a guy that 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 created a like a like a credit card machine and a big credit card that when you swiped it it like declined the it like declined the the purchases which was really freaking funny like it was like an interactive costume so i have to say that was pretty impressive i've just seen that on on a video i haven't seen it in real life but that was pretty funny that's a good one interactive costumes are always fun james same questions so uh, i was at that same part of the train was uh, on saturday night it was really fun um i went as santa ladies and gentlemen I was Santa Claus, and it was hilarious because nobody funny. thinks of Santa for Halloween. It was no. first and foremost, you know. I just my original costume was Ted Lasso, and I was not getting that in time. So then I went online. I was like, "What can I get by tomorrow?" Santa's definitely in stock. I got that. We rolled with it. People loved it. People didn't know who I was. Good time. Uh, <laughs> uh, favorite costume that I've seen is a CVS receipt. A very very large CVS receipt with codes and codes <laughs> that work at CVS. I think that is phenomenal. And then favorite candy, Twix. I have had zero candy in the last like two weeks, which is weird. But mm. if I had Twix, I'd be happier. All right, Trey. Did you see your favorite candy, or did you miss it? Oh, my favorite candy is Reese's. Sorry, James. Classic. All right, That's we got to sit, man. Yeah, well, it's, it's a classic one. Alex, how about you? Um, yes, I was also at that same party, but James and Traden were so drunk. They didn't know. No, I'm just kidding. I was not there. Um, I did go to a Halloween party. Um, I brought back Tyler, an old classic from when we were 18 years old and wore my fighter pilot suit because I was too lazy to think of anything else. Um, my favorite all time, I'm going to not one that I've seen, but Tyler, one that you and I did together and our buddy, Matt, um, we, the three of us dressed up as baseball players. And the best part was just the entire night at every bar we were at, just slapping every dude's ass saying good game. And then <laughs> it's like Tyler and I were dressed as Dodgers players. Our buddy Matt was just dressed as a Giants player. And at first, and we're in Northern California, so everyone's like, oh, hell yeah. And then they see they were Dodgers, like wearing Dodgers stuff. And they're like, oh, and I'm like, shut up, man. Like, go drink a beer. And it was great. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, that was such, that was so much fun. And then I'm going to agree with trading uh, Reese's is the way to go. I love it. Um, 
Yeah, this year for Halloween, for um, we dressed up at work, and um, I did not want to buy a new Halloween costume this year. Um, so I convinced all of my other coworkers to dress up as animals. Um, so I, I already had a penguin costume, which is a throwback to Chico uh, okay. days, which yeah. I still had, and I was able to find it. Um, so I made everyone else get animal onesies, um, so I didn't have to buy anything new. So that was uh, a smart economical move on my end. Uh, so penguin it was this year. Um, and then yeah, my, my favorite Halloween candy, um, I'm going to have to go with uh, Snickers for me. Um, but Reese's is a close number two. Uh, James Shaken said, do you not like... Oh, I forgot. You're, you can't have either. You can't have Reese's. My, or you, <laughs> you can't, well, you can't have either of them. So yeah, I, <laughs> poor guy. Poor dude. That's, that's, that's such, a bru- such a brutal outlaw. Risk it. How would you have? Risk it. Yeah, risk it. Why not? Yeah, you might have to. All right. Well, hopefully, hopefully you guys are... Uh, enjoying all your favorite Halloween candy and costumes and all that stuff. Um, hopefully it was a good one for you. But let's get into the meat of the podcast. So we're going to start off with hockey. Uh, we haven't talked hockey in a while. Trade's been doing a lot of hosting the last couple of weeks. So uh, we're going to get back to some hockey action. It has started. The, the regular season is, is well underway. Uh, trade, what we got for hockey? Yes, yes, it is well underway. Um, we have a bit to talk about. We're going to talk about some some teams that are on uh, in deep right now, boys. Uh, but first, let's we got to go through uh, you know everything. I keep track of everything now, guys. I keep track of the in season cup. I keep track of fantasy. I'm keeping track of our over unders, and I will be keeping track of our matchups all in a very very comprehensive and complex model. Um, it's, it's fucking awesome. And I love opening it every time I open it. It just brings me a smile. Um, uh, using, using your Excel skills, um, is it just, it's, it's a, it's a geek thing. So I, I just apologize. Um, let's, let's first get to fantasy. Tyler, you are two and one first three weeks in, uh, you've won two in a row and had a tough first week, but you've, you've really bounced back. Alex, Bro. you are also are two and one, but your loss came this past week. So you know, strong start, but I think you'll, you'll be able to turn it around. James, one and two, two losses in a row. Uh, I think I beat Alex though. So. Yes. Yeah. There you go. You gave that, you gave Alex, there you go. And then I have one win. I am one and two myself. Um, I, I just hate everything fantasy right now. I just fucking hate it. It's stupid. Um, I don't even know why I do it, but I just do it to be the 10th guy, I guess, in all these things. Uh, for the in-season cup, Surprise, surprise. Alex, you're in first with 17 days. Um, Tyler, you wrestled the cup away from the Vegas Golden Knights finally. Well, the Chicago Blackhawks did for you. Um, and then, Chicago, baby. And then tomorrow, uh, I'm sorry, and then Arizona uh, won it. Arizona has it currently. And then tomorrow, James, your Ducks could take it away from the Arizona Coyotes. Bring it on. Which actually is going to be a great game because the Ducks look really good and the Coyotes look really good. So it'll be fun. In terms of over-unders, surprise, surprise again, Alex is winning. He has 62% correct so far of the teams correct. James, James, you and Tyler are both at 56%, um, and I am and last at 53%. Stat, 18 teams so far are over their over-unders right now, and 43% are under. So uh, more than half the teams are doing their job. Um, and, and beating the, beating the spread. So, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep track of that as it, as it, uh, um, you know, flows through every season. Um, let's get into the main event. First of all, um, before we get there, I do want to give my congratulations to Joe Thornton guys. Um, Joe Thornton officially announced his retirement. I think we kind of expected that last year. He officially did it this week. 
I just want to quickly go around. Uh, James, I know that you're relatively new to the game, so you may you, you can say what you want, but I know the other two have seen Joe Thornton play quite a bit of hockey. So um, I first want to send it over to Tyler. When I say Joe Thornton, what do you think about uh, I think about those good old days with the Sharks um, and that rivalry and him just, you know, kicking our ass. You know, he was he was one of those guys that you never liked to see on the other side of the ice. Um, I also think of that phenomenal beard. Uh, it was one of the best in the game. Um, it was it, it may be go down as like one of the top beards in hockey history, to be honest with you. So, um, yeah, I mean, just an ultimate competitor. Uh, re- respect to that guy. And uh, I'm going to miss those uh days when the Kings and Sharks were really good and Joe Thornton was right in the middle of um, all that. So congrats to him on a great uh, career. Yeah, definitely congrats. Alex, this is a guy that just knew how to dish the puck. He was a complete package, two-way forward, never won a cup, but he definitely deserved it. Don't you agree? I mean, I don't know if he deserved it because they would have won one if they if he <laughs> deserved it. But uh yeah, I mean, when I think Joe Thornton, I just think him, Patty Marlowe, Brett Burns, like those those guys, big beard, great, you know, great hands. Uh, seems like he was 45 for the last 10 years. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, great player, great career. Um, and yeah, hopefully he can uh, enjoy retirement and not watch his Sharks play for the next three to four years. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, James, anything about Joe Thornton that you even know that you can think about? Uh, Beard and old. That's what I got. (laughs) Beard and old, I like that. My thing about Joe Thornton, guys, uh, Joe Thornton is going to the Hall of Fame. I think there's no doubt about that. Um, He probably is 1A or 1B on my list of the best players to never win a cup. Um, Right there with Jerome McGinley. You know, I... I think I would have loved to see him win a cup. I know you guys would probably disagree because you are hardcore Kings fans, but um, objectively as a fan of the game, um, he, he, uh, he, he was incredible. And I think he deserved a, a cup in some shape or form, but he just couldn't get it done with those Sharks teams. But, um, you know, congratulations, Joe Thornton, but we're going to move on. Guys, I know it's not American Thanksgiving and I know that that's my big, you know, uh, a milestone and, you know, we, we really care about American Thanksgiving around here for many, many reasons, but for, uh, for the, for the sake of this podcast and this segment, there, there is an interesting step that actually happens a little bit before, uh, American Thanksgiving. And that's the November 1st milestone. That's the first three weeks of the season, three, four, three, four weeks of the season. Um, we're, we're, we sit here with most teams are around seven, eight, nine games in, um, Statistically, teams that are four plus points out of a playoff spot have a 15%. That's one five percent of making the playoffs. Um, that is scary for if you're a team that is on the outside looking in, including some of these teams. Now, not all of these teams are in that are are quite in that threshold, but they're very close. Um, I guess it depends on what happens today. Um, but we're gonna start over with one of them, and it's the only team I want to talk about in the East because I think the East outside of this team is quite tight. I think a lot of teams are, are playing really well. Um, the, the standings are pretty tight, uh, but let's talk Pittsburgh Penguins guys. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins have come out, have started not great. Um, I, I don't, I know, I think we had an, most of us had them under, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, this is a team that, you know, is just getting old, we had them all under and right now they are all, they are under. So we're all, we're all in the money there. Uh, Tyler, I just want to ask, I mean, is the age just catching up to this team? 
Yeah, I definitely think it is. It's you're kind of you're starting to you know really really get the sense of uh, this team kind of aging out of its of of, of its glory days. Um, and yeah, I would I would say the worry meter for Pittsburgh right now is pretty high. I mean, they're at they're at the bottom of this conference right now, um, and you got an ultra competitive East 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 conference. They got a lot of teams. They got to leapfrog a lot of teams that are you know playing like they should, and you know some teams that are playing a little bit better. And I think you know if the Pittsburgh doesn't turn it around pretty quickly here, I think they're going to find themselves on the outside looking in, even if they're able to, you know, kind of make a late season push. I think it might be too late, which is with, with how competitive um, that, that Eastern conference is. So um, yeah, right now it's not looking great. They definitely feel like they're just aging out of the NHL just a little bit. And I think their time, you know, of, of a fantastic dynasty that they put together might be coming to an end. It, it, it seems to be that way with these young teams coming in. Um, they are a ripe age of 31 on average. There's only two teams with a three handle um, in the average age category, and that is them and surprise, surprise, Washington Capitals. Um, Alex, why the hell did they go get uh, Eric Carlson? I mean, I think when you still have your big three of Sid, uh, Malkin, and Latang, you you have to go for it. Um, and I think they looked at their this team and thought, okay, we can still be competitive. We missed the playoffs last year by a single point with a bat or whatever it was, two points, or whatever, with a bad loss to Chicago the last day of the season. Um, but like you look at this team and you would think that a power play that has Carlson and Crosby and Malkin on, I don't remember which game it was. It was maybe like a week ago now. I was watching one of the Pittsburgh games and their power play was like bottom third in the league or something percentage wise, which when you have three to four to five like future hall of famer like no doubt hall of famers on your team and all on one power play like why is that not better so it may just be a little bit of early season rust um but yeah i agree with tyler they may be aging out a little bit um except for the ageless beauty that is jeff carter (laughs) that is true um james you you would know a lot about the the uh, perils of the Penguins because I'm pretty sure you have Tristan Yari on your team. Can he figure it out, or are they going to fig- need to figure something out on the goaltending side if they want to compete? Well, I mean, it's it's kind of this been this thing for him. Like he ebbs and flows throughout the season every single year, and then he comes out in the playoffs and does relatively well. It's kind of like opposite, or it's kind of like Carter Hart almost, and how he does his thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's been terrible. <laughs> he is costing me a lot of points in fantasy because every single time he's out there, I get negative seven points. He's killing. And he's killing the Penguins. Like, I don't agree with Tyler completely with the age factor. Like, the guys who are older and Gino and Sid, they're having great offensive years thus far. They're, they're playing fantastic. What sucks is the goaltending. And it's Tristan Yard being an absolute fucking Swiss cheese sieve thing. He's horrible. He's like when when Bobrovsky was bad. Uh, there's only like two other goaltenders who I think are worse than Tristan Yari right now, and they're on the Oilers, and that's why they're bad. Uh, but yeah, Tristan Yari has been terrible. They got to figure something out, man. Like this guy's got to get together if the Penguins want any chance of being relevant at all, because every single team who wants to be competitive needs to have a decent goaltender, and he's not it. Yeah, I I think the the advanced stats would agree with you, James. Uh, they 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 are positive in the in the scoring chances department, in the possession department, but they're not getting the stops. And that's and at the end of the day, if your goalie is better than my goalie, you win. If my goalie is better than your goalie, I win. That's how it kind of, hockey kind of works. So quickly round the horn for this team, 
Are they making the playoffs, Alex? They are. Hold up. They are with, they sit with six points last in the East and they are, what is that? Five points out. No, I think, I mean, it's only five points. You can make that up pretty quick, but I'm going to say no. Mind you, you have to jump nine teams. Yeah. (laughs) Well, seven teams, I guess. Uh, James, making the playoffs or no? Yes or no? Nope. Nope. Tyler? Nope. Two years in a row, we will not see Pittsburgh in our minds, but maybe something's different in the West. First, we're going to start with Seattle, guys. Seattle sits with eight points. They are admittedly three points out. They looks like they just recently won. So we'll, so they're on the cusp. Um, so, you know, well, actually their, their rate, they're tied in for a wild card spot, but they started out pretty, pretty, uh, pretty rough three, five and two. We've, we've, we've seen them kind of go back to their old ways. Uh, James, I ask you what's up with Seattle and do you see, you know, do, do you see them finding a way to turn it around? Cause it seems like they went from this scoring incredible and, and goaltending incredible team to back to year one. So where are we going to go from here? I think there's they're just, it's, it's rust first and foremost. And they're like, they're losing to some pretty incredible teams, mm-hmm. like of their losses. That's the Vegas, uh, the abs, Rangers, Canes. Those are all good teams. Right. And right now, like Gubauer is playing like crap. He is barely over a 900 save percentage. The court is, is in there. He's doing his thing. So if he can be in there, can continue doing his thing, it's going to be awesome because he's losing really close games. Like they're going to overtime. He's getting, he's getting that loser point at least. That's how good he is. But the thing about this is, is that last year they were a scoring offense that used a bunch of different pieces and uh, were able to really manage the puck and facilitate throughout. And right now, the fact that they don't have like this one or two superstar offensive player, that's kind of hurting because the, the, the entire clock machine isn't functioning optimally and they're struggling to get the puck where they want it to go. And if they had that one superstar, like a Connor McDavid or a dry saddle, you can just feed it to him and have him do something cool. Right? And right now, that's not happening. So until this machine works out its kinks, this offense isn't going to work out. And I'm just chalking it up to Russ, honestly, guys. It's, it's early in the season. They've lost the really good teams. My worry meter here isn't all that high. It's like it's like a 6 out of 10 for me. 6 out of 10? Okay. I, I appreciate that. I mean, if you look at their advanced stats, they're, not, they're still losing battles, and, that, and that's a concern. Uh, Alex, I ask you, you know, I'm looking at Matty Beneers. I mean, he had an amazing season last season, and it's just not going for him. Is the sophomore slump real? I think we see that with a lot of guys. Um, again, this is last year is probably the most hockey he's ever played in what would be like one season. You can't really say a calendar year, obviously, as it goes over, um, you know, two seasons or two years. But yeah, I mean, he's under 50% on, um, you know, face off wins. He's a minus 12 already, which is pretty brutal for two weeks into the season. So, um, you know, as a single contributor, you know, as, you know, as a member of that team to only be at minus 12 and he has three points, uh, and none of those are goals. So not great. Um, again, it could just be a little bit of the sophomore slump, a little bit of teams, you know, kind of, you know, watching tape on him over the off season. Um, and yeah, if you would, you know, team teams and other, you know, defensemen or whatever, being a little bit more prepared for him, but, um, I, like, again, I, unlike, I think some other teams, it, the Kraken aren't like, as Matty Beneers goes, the Kraken go because they are they're you know, like James was mentioning, it's all balanced. Just the balance isn't working right now. Um, 
I kind of agree with James though on the worry meter, like six or seven out of 10. Um, it helps that there's some trash teams that have gotten off to good starts, cough, cough, ducks, um, and coyotes. So like there's some teams that you expect them to jump. Um, but yeah, you want to see them get it going a little bit. Yeah. I, I, I think you, I think you're right in that, that sophomore slump. We've seen it with, with guys like that. And, and I think there might be a little bit more pressure on him. So we'll, you know, mm. we'll see how he, uh, how he shakes out Tyler. Uh, the, the schedule gets a little easier for the next few games. They have, they, they, uh, host the predators, the flames, and then they head over to Arizona, um, next Tuesday. Um, do you think that this is a great opportunity for them to really write the ship? Definitely. I think, I think they definitely need to, um, I think to kind of calm the nerves, I think, you know, I think with Seattle last year, none of us really expected them to make, make the playoffs and they did, and they went on this great run. Um, and I think, you know, getting off to a little bit of a slow start this year, you kind of wonder if last year was just kind of like a one hit wonder kind of deal. And they're kind of reverting back to kind of their true colors a little bit. Um, so I think getting some early season confidence in these next upcoming games is going to be really big for this team. I kind of agree with what kind of where James is saying, like a little bit moderate of a worry, but not too high right now because it's just so early. And I think, you know, what Alex was saying, there's a lot of teams right now that are overachieving in, in the Western Conference that I think are bound to kind of come down a, a little bit. Um, so I see Seattle still still contending. And so I think, you know, it's a worry just because I feel like, you know, this team isn't necessarily a juggernaut to begin with. And so I think seeing them struggle a little bit, you know, can potentially be what they might be. Um, but I do still believe in this team. I, I think that they will kind of write the ship a little bit um, in, in these next few games. I think they'll, they'll gain some confidence and I think they'll find themselves in a playoff spot here pretty soon. They, they too um, are sitting under their, their uh, projected, you know, points, um, uh, their trajectory. We all had them going over Tyler going back to you. Did they make playoffs or no? Yes. Alex. I'm going to say yes. And say yes. James. No, no. <laughs> it, it, it's a, it's a deep, it's a deep uh, set of teams here. And uh, let, let's talk about the two Alberta teams. We're first going to start with the loser of the heritage classic, which happened on Sunday. Hope you guys caught it. Cause it was a spectacle especially if you're an Oilers fan. Um, Calgary, guys, has come off is coming off quite the slide. I mean, they've lost five in a row. Things just look so bad. I mean, if you saw that Heritage Classic, they looked dejected. They looked awful. They, they looked slow. Um, very, you know, and, and they kind of let their adversary look normal, look, look like they, you know, like we expected them to be. Uh, Cal and they've just actually stopped doing uh, contract negotiations with with many guys that are that are set to uh, on expiring contracts. So it's a wonder what's going to happen there, James. I guess I'll go. I'm going to start with you, James. Yeah. Um, where does Calgary go from here? And do you think that it's time to maybe fold up shop and think about the future? Yeah, this is a sinking ship. Um, I mean, if you can't score, you can't win games. And this team can't score. <laughs> Plain and simple. I mean, the guy that they brought in to be the guy that facilitated the offense, Jonathan Huberto, has been atrocious. He is nothing like what he was with the Panthers. And he's had a year to be that guy in an offseason. And he's not getting better. Like Alex is mentioning, Matty Beniers was a minus 12 through the first three weeks. Huberto's not far behind. He's a minus 10 on his plus minus. That's not a good sign. This team is bad. Plain and simple. Like, this team sucks. They can't score. Can't defend. Nothing's going right with them. They, they're, they're done. <laughs> it's, just, it's a sinking ship. So, Alex, uh, like I said, quite a few interesting names on the uh, um, that are said to be you know, on expiring contracts. 
Um, not surprising that they've stopped those those uh, negotiations. But I guess similar question: Where do you think they go from here? Yeah, I mean, I think when we did our previews, we looked at Calgary as a team that had had good talent, but it really needed to kind of all go right for them to, you know, be competitive in in the West. Um, and like you mentioned, it has not gone right. And kind of what James mentioned too, like Huberto's the guy. Um, and unfortunately, I don't know if it's just the system. He doesn't like Calgary, whatever is going on there. It's not working. Um, I mean, we talked about it last year, trading too. Like when um, Kadri came in, we were looking at Calgary being like, oh shit, they they did a really good job to kind of reload post, you know, this these big trades and it just hasn't worked. And Kadri's been awful since he's pretty since he's gotten to Calgary. He's not been the same guy he was in Colorado. So um, yeah, they're, I think they can still give it a little bit more time. Um, I think that the, you know, I think American Thanksgiving is going to be kind of the time where they need to pivot one way or the other. Um, I mean, between the two goalies, they've been bad. Uh, Mark Sherm's at an, I mean, he's only given up 2.8 a, a game, which is not terrible, but they're not scoring enough. Um, their backup is terrible, just straight awful. Um, and like Mark Sherm was a big issue last year for them too. So I think they got maybe a little bit more time, but they're going to need to go on a, on a flip run where they win four or five in a row, you know, five out of seven, something like that. Or it may be time to start selling off some pieces. Yeah. What's, what's interesting is I actually, you know, I don't blame Markstrom for much this season. I mean, he, he's done his part for the most part, especially when they're getting that many shots. I mean, a 90% percentage is not bad considering you're getting outshot every game and you're, and you look absolutely worked. Tyler, um, they looked so soft. Uh, Evander Kane was caught saying, what are you going to do? What is anybody on this team going to do when he's just running around like an, a madman in that Heritage Classic, completely dummying the entire team on national TV in both nas- in both nations? Um, where's the compete level? And, uh, and, and do you think they can bring that back? Or do you think this is the, the beginning of the end of, the, of this version of the Calgary Flames? Yeah, my, my worry meter for his color flame teams is is as, as high as you can get. I, I I just feel like coming off of last season, how how un, how poorly they performed un, under what was expected. And I mentioned in our preview, I feel like if this team does not get off to a good start, I think I think it's time to kind of reset. Um, you know, this this team is is really not looking great at all. There's not a lot to really look at to say, oh, maybe they can turn it around. I I just don't really see you know how they're gonna be able to make the playoffs given, you know, where the standings are at and kind of how they perform. They have not proven in a year plus that this is a playoff hockey team, um, how they're constructed. So, you know, it, it's, like I said, like they're going to have to go on some mega reverse run, like Alex mentioned for me to have any kind of faith that this team is, 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 is going to make it. But, you know, for me, it's, it, it's full on panic for, 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 for me with, with the flames they, they just, I don't, I don't have any, any kind of inkling of, of 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 confidence that they can be able to turn this thing around because they have not proven that they can play playoff style hockey in the last year plus. Yeah, to to see to see you know just just the moments, just little moments like when you know you you see Evander Kane take a hard hit against a, a star player and and not even Nazem Kadri do anything about it. No no scoring, no hitting, no fighting. Th- this team's lost the plot, and and it's sad because I think that. Uh, you know, it's always fun when the two uh, Alberta teams are good. 
Um, Alex and Tyler, I think you guys were just trying to be different. You guys had them going over 95 and a half. They're currently well under that pace. Um, James and I are in good shape. I'm assuming, just give me a head nod. Is everyone is everyone thinking they're not making the playoffs? Yeah, that's a no. That's a no. Okay. Uh, then let's move on to a team that maybe has turned a, a corner. I know it's a one-game situation, but they look like the team that we expected. But then again... They had a bad start. The Edmonton Oilers um, are two five and one. My Edmonton Oilers are two five and one with five points. That one game, you know, Connor McDavid comes back for the Heritage Classic. Again, I don't want to take too much stock in one game, but for some of us hopefuls, uh, this is the start of their new season. Um, of, of the new season starting now, they got they usually have a shitty December, and maybe they just got the December out of the way in the beginning of October. Um, Alex. The Edmonton Oilers have been dominant on the scoring chances. They have been dominant in that respect, but their goaltending has not been great. Um, can't do you have any trust in this goaltending? Uh, no, traded <laughs> goaltending not great is not a fair descriptive of what the goaltending has been. It has been the worst in the National Hockey League, probably. I don't know. <laughs> it's bad. I uh, bottom three for sure, and. You know, we talked about that with the Kings during the previews of, all right, will they have enough goaltending? And it was a little bit of a worry with the Oilers. Look, Connor McDavid can score 200 points this season, but if they give up 400 million goals, it's not going to matter. So it's this trade, and I'm really sorry to say this, but it's the same shit with the Oilers every single year. You've got elite top-end talent, your defense is trash. Your goaltending is trash. Like, if I'm Connor McDavid, I'm looking into getting out of Edmonton. Because, like, why would you trust that they can figure it out? Um, I mean, you gave up eight goals to Vancouver opening night or whatever it was. Like, they're both been bad. Like, real bad. So, it's very similar to Calgary. Like, I've, I have more faith that Edmonton can turn it around. But again, there's a lot of good teams in the West and it's hard to get off to a poor start like this. Shockingly, not shockingly, they are second in team save percentage um, overall. They are not last in uh, five-on-five save percentage. Do you guys know who the last, who the worst team five-on-five goaltending is? The Sharks. Nope, your LA Kings. Uh, let's move on. Tyler. Tyler, <laughs> yeah, uh, Tyler, Tyler. Tyler. Um, the Connor McDavid come back. They, they seem to have some life on Sunday. Do you think that they've turned the page or is this just a one-game blip? I do. I, I feel like there's just too much talent on this team um, for them not to make the playoffs. Again, I don't know how far this team... In terms of we're talking like Stanley Cup contention, that's a different story. I think that kind of goes kind of what Alex just said. Like It just seems like the same kind of built Oilers team that you know has a lot of really great talent that's a playoff team, but are they a championship team? That's to be determined at this point. I'm not super confident about that, but I do think that this team is going to turn it around and I'm not too worried about them right now in terms of making the playoffs. Um, you know, I think it's just, well, it's, it, it's a slow start. Um, but like, a similar situation with Seattle, I just feel like in the Western Conference, a lot of teams overachieving right now. And I just really believe that that's going to kind of even out a little bit. And I think Edmonton's one of those teams right now on the outside looking in that will, you know, find themselves back in a playoff position at some point. Um, just because they, they, they proven it consistently over the last few years that they know how to win games, uh, winning championships, not so much, but winning games they are good at. And I, I, I do believe that this team will, will turn it around and, uh, be, and be a, be a playoff team. Uh, James, um, any, 
I guess, I guess similar question. Um, you know, what are your thoughts about the Edmonton Oilers? I know you watch probably a little bit more games than they do. I know you, you, you kind of are somewhat interested in the Oilers. They're fun to watch offensively when they're really going. Um, do you think that we are turning a page here? Um, sorry, Jaden, but no, <laughs> they look good, but they look good against the flames, man. And we just talked about how shitty the flames were five minutes ago. Like they are zero offense yet. They put up two goals on you guys. You know, like it's, it's, it's five on three power play and one crazy power, another power play goal, but yeah, go, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, a goal is a goal. <laughs> um, and so like, I mean, I, I'd like to see it against somebody who is a more competent NHL team. And that, that, that could come up in Dallas. Like the next game is against Dallas. If they do something nice there, I'll start to believe. But at this moment, I don't think this is where they turn the page. Right. Um, if I see it more often, yes. I, I do believe they will turn it around. I just don't think that it was this last Sunday. So you so you, you think that you so you think that this game was a blip and yes. they're gonna have another slide? Uh I wouldn't say a slide. I, I it, this isn't what makes them turn into the team that they're supposed to be. I think that that is gonna happen when they go on this run of uh Nashville, Vancouver, San Jose, Seattle, New York, Seattle. That slide, that slate of games, if they can dominate all those, they're back. That because those games they should win, be winning anyway. All right. the teams listed are winnable games for the Oilers. If they can do that, oh cool, I'm all in. That that's their turning point. One game isn't a turning point for me, especially for a hard eighty or for an eighty-two game season. That's not the turning point. One game can't be it. One game can't be it. Uh, so they sit three points out. James, do they make the playoffs? Yes. Tyler, yes. Alex, no. No, they do not make the playoffs. Wow. Interesting. Okay. Uh, I love that. Halloween Halloween evening. That is all we have. Oh, I'm sorry. We have... Uh, we won't do that. We're going to move on. Um, uh, that's all we have for hockey this week. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed. Um, I hope you guys are watching the hockey. Uh, the World Series has been great, too. So I just, have to, I just have to throw that out there, too. Absolutely. We love hockey. We love baseball. We love all sports. You know how it goes. Uh, Trey, thank you. It's been great to talk hockey again. It's been a long time. So it feels refreshing to talk some hockey back on this podcast. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to switch gears over to the NBA with Alex. Welcome back, everybody. We are very fresh in the NBA season, but we have our minds made up about some things for the rest of the season. We're talking overreactions. There's a big trade that went down, and we're going to continue our, our marquee matchups with Alex. Take it away. Yes, thank you, Tyler. Yeah, we are officially one week into the NBA season. Um, and yeah, we already had a huge trade go down that I think a lot of us potentially thought would happen during the offseason. Um, and it just took a little bit longer uh, than expected. But James Harden is an L.A. Clipper. So the Clippers and the Sixers finally made it work. Unlike Dame in Miami, James stopped lying to me. Uh, the Clippers received <laughs> the Clippers received James Harden, Pete, and PJ Tucker, um, and the Sixers received Robert Covington, Nick Batum, Marcus Morris, KJ Martin, and one, two, three, four, five picks. Uh, some of them are via the Clippers. One of them is via the Thunder from probably the Paul George trade. I don't know. I'm not going to trace it all back. That's way too much work. Um, trade it. I'm going to start with you. I think of all the people on this podcast, you've maybe been the harshest on James Harden, 
which is which is impressive because we've all been pretty harsh on James Harden. Um, they, you know, the the experts, the whomever you want to call it, think this is a great fit with him and the Clippers. Um, you know, now he reunites with Russell Westbrook. It was really great in Oklahoma City, but also you had Kevin Durant. It did not go so well um, in Houston. But how do you think James Harden and the Clippers are going to work? Um, and just your thoughts on the trade. Um, I, 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 I don't know what to think about this one, to be honest. I mean, we're, we're seeing Russ and, and, uh, James Harden, you know, reunite. Um, uh, I, I think he's happy. I, I, I definitely think he's happy, but, um, I, I, I think it's really going to come down to how much Harden is going to really increase the championship odds. And I, I think the jury's still out on that. Um, uh, and, the, it, no, that that said, I think that if he if he comes and really focuses and and stops with this fucking attitude that I just can't stand, um, and just plays basketball and and uh, you know really really digs in really digs in with this group and you know steps up and does something, I think we might see a team that definitely can contend. I mean, there, there's some, some good names on that on that uh, Clipper team up front. Uh, you know, you have you have Kawhi, you got uh, Russ, you have. Uh, Paul George, and now you're bringing in James Harden. I mean that, that those are names that even I know. I mean that that says something. I mean we have four of them. Like that that means <laughs> that says a lot. So uh, you know I I don't know if we're gonna be. I know we're not gonna get um, you know vintage James Harden or vintage uh, Russ, but even if you get a little you know hint of that with with Kawhi playing you know the games that he plays and 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 Paul George, you might see a team that can really actually do it. But I think that everybody needs to buy in and he needs to buy in too. Yeah. I think obviously now James Harden has been traded three times in two years um, and has pretty much demanded out of all three previous locations. Um, Definitely been a pretty polarizing figure over the last two NBA seasons. And yeah, I think you're right. Trading where like they're going to have to buy in because that's, that's a, that's a lot of minutes for a lot of, you know, future hall of famers. So it'll be, I'm not entirely sure how that will all work. Um, but Tyler kind of going off on that on the Clipper side. And then if you want to touch on, you know, kind of what this means for the Sixers, go ahead. But you think it's like kind of too many, too many hands in the cookie jar sort of situation there in LA. And, um, you know, how do you think this will all kind of work out for the Clippers? Yeah, my, my gut reaction is kind of what you said. You know, you got a lot of these, you know, big ego, big superstar guys that, you know, are going to try to come together, you know, and, and, and to try and play well. But on paper, it certainly looks like it could be beneficial. You know, I think, you know, the Clippers, you got a lot of, you know, guys that are going to get injured. So the more you have, the more chances you have to actually have people on the floor playing and playing. The, the, the Western Conference is kind of looking like the pre-retirement conference. Uh, a lot of older superstars coming over to the Western Conference. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it fits. Obviously, obviously, in the past, you know, Westbrook and Harden have been, you know, one of the more dynamic duos in the league, you know, but that was a while ago. Will it, will, can they, can they, you know, bring it back? You know, like I said, on paper, I think it potentially can be very, very good. And I think the Clippers, you know, at least for now, have pushed themselves, you know, into, you know, kind of that top tier class of the Western Conference with this trade. But time will tell if it's actually going to work. You know, will these guys stay healthy? Will they stay on the floor? I think their chemistry issues have been, have followed Harden everywhere he goes, which speaks more to him than anyone else. So that's going to be interesting to kind of see how that plays out. I think for the on the Sixers end, I think it's a, a positive. I think getting getting someone like that that you know is wants that doesn't want to play is going to be good. 
Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, obviously losing a player like that, you know, talent wise is tough, but I think in terms of the culture and, and the chemistry of the team, I think it's going to be beneficial. So, um, I still, I still see the Sixers as a contender in the East. Um, I don't think it definitely, you know, hurts their chances a whole lot. Um, I think they might be buyers at, at the deadline trying, 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 try and get a piece. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. Yeah, for the Sixers side, um, I think it just pushes Tyrese Maxey into the fold of really taking multiple leaps forward. Um, I, it's kind of weird because, yeah, you lose a player the caliber of James Harden, which is a bummer. But on if I'm remembering correctly, they were better with him off the floor than on the floor, like in their plus minus. So Philly could be better. I, I still think there's a couple teams in the East, maybe three to five or three to maybe like three or four teams that are probably better just right now than, than Philadelphia. Um, and yeah, the, the guys they got back though, those are all Im- important vet role players who know what they're doing, know what their job is. And that's, you know, that's important on an NBA team. We talk about this all the time within the NBA. Um, you know, know who you are, know what your, know what your role is and, and, you know, hit shots when you need to, but, uh, James thoughts on, on the James Harden trade. And, um, yeah, feel free to touch on both the Clipper side and the Sixer side. So when I heard about this trade, it was like at three or four in the morning today, but oh, really, yeah, I, I woke up and I couldn't go back to bed. Um, but my initial gut reaction was like, Oh yeah, this is terrible because now James Harden is going to ruin another team. Cause that's what he does. James Harden ruins teams. But then I thought about it more. And I was like, what is the biggest knock on James Harden? Hmm. It's that he scores too much, he has the ball too much, doesn't play defense, and he flops. I think <clears throat> sorry, I think ending up in Los Angeles with the Clippers was the best case scenario for him. This is the only place in the league where he can play and be good. Reason being is that defense is not going to be an issue because you still got Kawhi who's good at defense. Westbrook is good at defense. PG is an underrated defender, and you still got Zubak down there who is a shot blocker galore. Defense is not an issue. Let's just put that out the window, okay? If you look at James Harden's stats the last couple of years, his scoring has gone down, but his assist numbers have gone up. He led the league in assists last season per game, 10.7. What do you need to do for the Clippers team? Pass the ball. There's a good chance, like I talked about earlier during the previews, that either PG or Kawhi is going to be out. Okay, cool. James Harden can still score the ball. Russ cannot score the ball as well as James Harden. But if you have this guy come in here, James Harden, and scores the ball whenever the real superstars are out, this Clipper team can survive. I actually like the way this looks for the Clippers moving forward. Initially, I hated it. But now looking, looking at it more, I'm like, this could work. This could really, really work. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, they they're like title odds have them potentially jumping the nuggets, which I just think is wild. Uh, because that is, that's, I mean, six years ago, sure. That six years ago, this is the LeBron era heat team. But right now this is the end of the Boston Celtics, big three plus Rondo team where if everything goes right. It can go right. Again, it's, it's going to be, I, I agree with everyone where if it all goes right, it could be great. There's a lot of got to prove it to us as NBA fans with either attitude and or health or both. (laughs) So I guess we will see, but 
Um, let's just get into some overreactions. Not about this, ideally. Hopefully, you pick something else, but I don't know what you picked. Um, we'll just we'll start with one and kind of see where it goes, positive or negative. Um, Tyler, let's start with you. What is your first week NBA overreaction? The Nuggets are a lock to repeat for the NBA championship. They look phenomenal. They're off to a great start. Um, and while the Western Conference is trying to figure out what's going on with all their new pieces, the 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 Nuggets, you know, depth wise are a little bit different, but their starting fi- the starting five is pretty much the same. The 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 team that's just that coming off an NBA championship, it doesn't seem like they're having any sort of NBA hangover. Um, they look phenomenal. Um, I think they are a lock to be a repeat championship, a repeat championship basketball team. Yes. I watched that entire opening night game, um, when they played the Lakers and they looked incredible. Um, and the, the only problem is when Jokic is on the floor, they're the best team in the NBA. When he's not on the floor, it's a little bit iffy, um, but yeah, they they have looked incredible so far. Uh, James, first overreaction uh, for the NBA season. I was so wrong about the Grizzlies. I thought they were going to survive without Jaw, but they're not. They're 0-4 and look horrendous. And if uh, they can't figure it out, they are for sure. There's like no reason for Jaw to come back because their playoff hopes are gone. 0-4 to start the season is terrible with a group like this. Desmond Bain has not stepped it up. Marcus Smart's playing decent, but uh, for some reason, the leadership isn't there. They have just not been clicking, and it's surprising for me to say it, but I think John Moran might be the glue guy for this team. <laughs> it's really weird to think about, but that is my overreaction. The Grizzlies suck. Yeah, they've been they've been bad. Uh, you're right. They have Maybe they need him. Maybe they don't. I can't imagine he's the glue guy. I kind of have a feeling it's because uh, your boy Steven Adams isn't there. Um, he kind of feels like the leader of that team, which makes no sense. Uh, trade over first overreaction. You, you both took mine. Um, so thank <laughs> you. <laughs> you both took both of them. Um, I, guys, the Warriors are going to win the, uh, the, the championship. Simple as that. They've looked so fucking good the last three games. Um, and the fact, and my, the favorite, the, my favorite part of this past uh, weekend was watching, um, uh, uh, the uh, the new guy, Chris Paul. Chris Paul. Thank you. My God, Trey. Um, I almost said Paul Jordan. <laughs> I'm like, we're gonna talk about. We're gonna talk about. <laughs> um, Chris Paul had his first game coming off the bench in his entire career, and you know what? He did not look like a pissy asshole. He <laughs> played the basketball game, and they destroyed him. So things are looking good, boys. Things are looking good. I don't like that because you're kind of right, which really annoys me, but I'm just waiting for one or somebody to get hurt there. But yeah, the Warriors look good. All right, my overreaction, I'm going big. The Orlando Magic are a top six seed in the Eastern Conference. Overreaction through the roof. (laughs) They started out 2-0. They barely lost the Lakers last night. They've been playing really good ball. They're like plus 10 point differential. Um, Paolo has stepped up again after having an incredible rookie year. Um, and there's a lot of teams in the East that are, are not looking maybe as strong as they could potentially look. Um, you know, New York, Chicago, Atlanta, Cleveland's one and three, Toronto's one and three, Miami's one and three. So Orlando magic, you're making the playoffs the first time. in a, a time that I can't remember, it's been a while. It's been a minute. Um, 
Do you guys want to do another one or you want to get into matchups? Do you have another one? I got one more. Okay, James, hit me with it. Scoot Henderson is a bust. Oof. He, dude, he is, what, uh, he's averaging eight points a game, being the supposed franchise guy now for the Trailblazers, shooting like 33%. I, I bet on him multiple times in a row and I got fucked. <laughs> I don't like it at all. Guys, it always comes back to James and his degenerate gambling. Uh, Trading or Ty, do you have another one? Because I have one more for you. Yeah, my other one was uh, the Grizzlies will miss the playoffs, which James kind of alluded to. So, okay. I'm good. Mine. Oh, no, mine was that that John Moran's behavior ruined this season. <laughs> okay. I'm going with overreaction. Our favorite player, Chet Holmgren, wins defensive player of the year. <laughs> That's not the biggest overreaction. Had, like, James is about to jump through the he had, like seven blocks. The line. He did get bodied by Andre Drummond to bump the evil, but. Chet Holmgren, defensive player of the year. Uh, the chances that happens is pretty slim. Um, okay, marquee matchups. We'll get to those real quick. Um, pretty easy week trading. I am so sorry, my dude. You are one and two. You are in last place. The rest of us are two and one. Imagine that. It was one week. So here we go. Um, okay, coming up. We have two battles of California, specifically the first Southern California matchup. Uh, trading. Let's start with you. Clippers at Lakers, dude. I'm liking. I, you know, I think I agree with James. I like. I like the additions. Clippers. Okay, uh, James. I don't know if Russell or if uh, James Harden played that game. Either way, I got the Clippers winning. <laughs> mm. Okay, Kyle. Lake Show, baby. Of course. Um, we can. The Lakers can never beat the Clippers in the last like 15 years for whatever reason. So I'm going to go Clippers, even though I hate that answer. Uh, <laughs> All right, trading. We're going to go right back to you. Battle of Northern California, uh, Sacramento Kings at the Golden State Warriors rematch of last year's first. Don't round. even need to fucking ask. It's the double. Oh, okay, <laughs> Wayne, James. I don't think De'Aaron Fox is going to be 100 percent when this game comes around. So I got the Warriors. Yeah, I believe he might still be out. Tyler. Yeah, I got the Warriors too. They're playing really well right now. Yeah, I really wanted to pick the Kings to be different, but that's the only the only reason I'm not three and zero is because I went to pick something to be different, and that's the one game I lost. So that was really annoying. <laughs> um, and then speaking of team, two teams that are playing really well in the Eastern Conference, uh, James, let's start with you. Your Indiana Pacers at the Boston Celtics. I love Tyrese Halbert. I'm gonna ride this guy till I die. Pacers over Celtics. All right, Ty. I'm gonna go Boston in this one. Okay, trading. Yeah, I don't see the Pacers going into the Garden. It's all Celtics for me, baby. Yeah, I'm also going to go Celtics. They've been playing incredible um, early. Another overreaction. Porzingis fits great with them. So <laughs> none of that makes sense. <laughs> um, all right, Ty, that's all I've got for the NBA this week. Thanks, buddy. All right, thank you. Uh, we'll look forward to more NBA action as we are uh, getting well into the, um, the NBA season, which is already very exciting. Uh, we will take a quick break and we got one more segment for you. We got James's fantasy football waiver wire pickups. You won't want to miss it. Welcome back, everyone. We got one more segment for you. It is our weekly waiver wire pickups for fantasy football with James. James, what do we got this week? It's week nine, guys. Uh, we'll talk to fantasy first. Alex and Tyler, congratulations. You guys are tied for second place. 
Eric is in first, which is freaking weird. <laughs> um, I'm in fourth, and then Jaden's in seventh. Type of seven, I should say. I fucking teams on. <laughs> he hates fantasy. It's okay. I didn't even break eighty points this week. I think I had like seventy-seven. Rough week. Uh, teams on by this week: <clears throat> Denver Broncos, Detroit Lions, 49ers, Thank God, Jacksonville Jaguars. Moving on to quarterback: Will Levis, Tennessee Titans, one percent rostered. 26.62 points against the Falcons, 19 for 29, 238 yards, and four touchdowns. Also added seven carries for 11 yards. He's new, and he shined in his debut. He looked really good. D-Hop, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, like the superstar wide receiver, has three touchdowns on the year. All three of them came out on this game by Will Levis. I haven't seen much of him. I don't watch his college tape because I'm not weird like that. But I, from that one game, I liked what I saw. Like, this guy throws deep, and he throws that hesitation, and he throws to his wide receivers, something that Ryan Tannehill never did because he was bad. Um, <laughs> he's on track to start against the Steelers, and like I said before, the Steelers are just really a scary name when it comes to defense. They are not as good as they have been in years past. Chayden, what are your thoughts? Will Levis officially put the nail in Tannehill's coffin, and we will not see Tannehill throw another football for the Tennessee Titans. Uh, will Levis looks so good. And I know that he puts mayo in his coffee, even though that's a joke. It's about as funny as the as I li- as much as I like my frozen uh, tater tots. Um, he looked really good, guys. I mean, very efficient through the long bomb. Make, I mean, who would have thought? And Alex, you say this all the time: throw it to your best players, and things great things happen. And he did that, and <laughs> so it's a wonder why that happened. So yeah, ride this guy because I think we might see something here in Tennessee. We, I think we definitely might, but Tyler doesn't. Tyler, why not? Nah. Uh, as great as Will Levis uh, did look in his debut, it's one game. Um, so let's see what happens there. But um, I got Sam Howell, uh, c- a quarterback from the Washington Commanders, uh, currently the eighth-ranked quarterback in fantasy, 17.6 average points, uh, 20.4% rostered. Coming off a really good performance against the Eagles, he threw for 397 yards, four touchdowns. Um, a really good performance against a really good football team. Um, going to week nine, they're playing the Patriots. Um, you know, not as good of a football team. Um, obviously, it doesn't always equal success, but I like the way that Sam Howell has has looked with the commanders this season. Um, I think he's a pretty safe block to have a pretty good week. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't hate that pick, but I just don't like it as well. Solid, solid. You know, it's me. I'll take it. <laughs> Moving on to running back, Chuba Hubbard, Carolina Panthers, 42.9% rostered. 7.4 points against the Texans, 15 carries for 28 yards. Um, <laughs> but he also added two receptions for 26 yards. Uh, Eric, this pick is for you. Um, that sat line was terrible, though. Horrendous. <laughs> but like honestly, I think this week's <laughs> this week's waiver wire or running back waiver wire market is worse than the tight end market. It's really fine, hard to find one, except for Leonard Fournette, and that's new. So I didn't think about him. But if Leonard Fournette's on your waiver wire, go pick him up. He's on the bills now. Uh, <clears throat> the biggest thing for Chuba Hubbard, though, going forward, he's the number one guy in Carolina. Miles Sanders is there, too. Miles Sanders had two carries for zero yards. I mean, Chuba Hubbard had 30 yards-ish, but he had 15 carries. That's a huge difference there. Um, and, I mean, he's only three weeks removed from his 90-yard performance against a good Dolphins team. So that might happen again because they're playing the Colts who are 29th against running backs. Tyler, what do you think? Yeah, I think just for the matchup, reason i think this is a, a solid pick but you're right i mean the running back market this time of the year is, is really tough um you know he's 
a little bit more robust. Um, hopefully, he can rack up some more points via receiving too, because I think you know, I think that's that's a that's a way that he can get you some more points. Um, the, the you know, you mentioned the the, the Colts defense; their 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 pass defense is also pretty bad. Um, so hopefully, he can get a little more receiving points in that area. But yeah, he's he's the, the number one guy. So hopefully, um, he gets his reps in. Um, I, and I think this matchup is pretty favorable for for uh, Chuba Hubbard. Alejandro, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm out on Chuba. Um, he was he was a popular pick when McCaffrey was still a Panther and would get hurt, and he was always garbage. It's just like Chuba's always been this name. I don't know if it's just because it's Chuba Hubbard and it's a fun name to say, but like I think his name is more popular than his actual output, um, which is not ideal. Um, I'm going to go with Amari DiMercato of the Arizona Cardinals. Honestly, not a name I knew other than like two days ago, but James Conner still on the IR. They also just traded their quarterback one, I guess, um, to the Vikings. So probably going to rush it a lot. The Arizona Cardinals are already the eighth um, highest rushing team in the NFL. Is a little terrifying because they are playing the Cleveland Browns, who are a pretty good defense, but he's the number one guy in Arizona. Kyler's not back. They're playing some rookie who I've already forgotten what his name is. They're probably going to use this guy quite a bit. So I, this is more of a, a uh, overall usage game than the maybe talent pick. Last week, trade-in picked Demarcado. And this week, Alex picked Demarcado. So I don't know what that says about Demarcado, but he's popular. Moving on to wide receiver, Rashid Shahid, New Orleans Saints. 18.4% rostered, 24.3 points against the Colts. Three receptions on three targets for 153 yards and a touchdown. If you look at his stat line, you assume that Shahid is like this deep ball, vertical route type wide receiver, but he's not. I mean, he, he, he is. He, he is. That, let's be real. He is that kind of guy. Uh, but he's a heavily targeted deep ball type of player. He averages five targets a game. That's a lot for somebody who is a home run type hitter, right? Um, all you really need is to connect on two or three of those home run balls, and you have a big game, just like you just had it in Houston last week. Tyler, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's, uh, again, a guy that's, you know, a little bit more robust. Um, but two of the last three weeks, he's been, he's played super well. Um, I think he's, he's going into week nine against the Bears. The Bears have looked a little bit better as of late, but it's still the Bears. And I think you like this matchup here. Um, like I said, I, it's, it's a home run type, type of hitter. Um, but he's doing it pretty well as of lately. So I think, you know, on a, on a waiver wire pick, um, I think it's a pretty good option. Trading the same yeah. guy like Derek Carr. What do you think about this? <laughs> um, I have a different guy. And the reason I picked this guy is, is twofold. One, because I think it's another pick and two, because you'll hear, um, it's Demario Douglas of the New England Patriots. Um, Kendrick Bourne's out. Devontae Parker uh, might be out for we, uh, this week nine against Washington Commanders. Um, he has looked pretty solid. I think there's some uh, notable upside for DeMario, uh, DeMario Douglas, especially in an in a interesting week. You're playing the Washington Commanders who rank number two in most fantasy points allowed to opposing receivers. Oh, and by the way, they just traded away an incredible pass rusher to the eventual Super Bowl champions. So... That's going to give more chance for Quack Jones to get the ball out. And Demario Douglas is going to take that upside to the house. Pick him up. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually never heard his name before. So I like that. Really cool. I love that. 
Also, eventually Super Bowl champs. Love that too. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to tight end, Trey McBride, Arizona Cardinals, 7.8% rostered, 25.5 points against the Ravens, 10 receptions on 14 targets for 95 yards and a touchdown. This honestly might be the easiest tight end pick of the year for me. Um, this, and this is twofold. Like, trading's twofold thing. We're doing a twofold thing for tight ends too. Zach Ertz, the main guy, the main tight end in Arizona, is still on IR. And the work and the volume will be there for at least the next three weeks for Trey McBride. And two, Joshua Dobbs, former starting quarterback, Arizona Cardinals, just got traded to the Vikings because Kirk Cousins, RIP, uh, towards Achilles. That's a tough one. So, as I alluded to earlier, the Cardinals are starting rookie quarterback, Clayton Toon. I also forgot his name, hence the miniature pause. <laughs> he is the starter now. I don't know where he's from. I don't know what he does. I don't know what he looks like, but his name is Clayton Toon. Interesting name. Um, but everybody knows that for a rookie QB, you have two best friends. And the two best friends are a pass catching running back and a tight end. In this case, Demarcado is a pass catching running back who isn't really a pass catching running back. So he's out. And your tight end is Trey McBride. This dude is going to get a lot of work, man. Plain and simple, he's going to get. 14 plus targets again, probably. Alex, what do you think? Yeah, agree with everything you just said. Um, yeah, uh, also just the tight end market this time of year is brutal. Um, yeah, like you just said, rookie quarterback, best friend is a tight end. We've seen him do it and you know be able to perform against a good defense in the in the Ravens last week, who are the uh, who let up the tenth fewest points against tight ends. So that's very good. A little bit of a worry. Again, they're going up against Cleveland, who does very well against tight ends on that defensive side. But this is, again, more of the the amount of usage. 14 targets for a tight end is a lot. They expect, you know, ideally you want to see that again. And then, like you mentioned, James, this is a potential longer-term pick um, with Zach Ertz out for the foreseeable future. And then, Tyler, what do you think? I'm going to go with the guy that we've picked before. And I'm, spe- I'm, I'm sticking with my commander's theme here. Logan Thomas, 10th ranked tight end, 10.5 average points, 38.7 rostered. Again, we talked about, I mean, pretty much everyone at this point off the waiver wires is be a little bit of a boomer bust. But again, the, against the Patriots, Logan Thomas, go boom. <laughs> I think. <laughs> go boom. I like that. Cool. Might be the title of the episode. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but I think one thing we've learned is that Ty likes to stack his quarterbacks slash receivers um, because he had Sam Howell earlier for his quarterback pick and now Logan Thomas. Yep. So he stacks things. It works for him sometimes. <laughs> Clearly it does because he's in second place. Um, but that is my work wire segment. Thank you for listening. Thank you, James. And that is going to wrap up episode 172 of TLDR Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Hopefully you found it fun and informative. Hopefully you guys are enjoying the last little bit um, of this October month. Hopefully Halloween again was spooky and awesome. Um, And we will see you when we flip the calendar next month going into November. Uh, We will see you then. Have a fantastic week. Like and share our podcast, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. 